What is Demystifying Research? Hosted by me, Kelly Harris. And me, Catherine Hoyt. Demystifying Research is a space where we dialogue on training, careers, and all things research. Everything from is research right for me to thinking about applications, mentorship, which research degree is right for me, handling failure and rejection, CVs versus resumes, and funding. This is a space where we engage in discussions around the questions we all have or have had when considering a career in research and science. As clinician scientists, we seek to answer questions and address issues that aren't clearly addressed in more formal spaces, things that weren't addressed in our clinical training, questions that we may not know how or where to begin to seek answers. This is not a space only for scientists and researchers, but for anyone who may be interested in science and research. We're so glad you've joined us. Let's dive in. We are here to talk about advocacy and academia. What I would love to actually hear about first um, is like you all's trip to Jeff City to kick us off. Yeah, let's do that. So um, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Mario Millsap. Uh, I am an occupational therapist. Uh, I am the coordinator for the Community Experiential Learning Center, which is a new uh, event space at Washington University. Uh, I am the current president of the Missouri Black OT Caucus, and I'm the current director of practice for the Missouri OT Association. Um, so those are all of my um, titles and things I, I do professionally. Um, now, as for the trip, uh, so Catherine and she collected a few of, I think, first and second year students uh, that came. And also we connected with some other members of the Missouri OT Association, and we made the trip to uh, Jefferson City, because there was an open response to an opportunity to uh, make verbal comments regarding a uh, adjustment to first steps. So it is for those that are not in Missouri, it is the uh, pediatric service uh, kind of program uh, that is helping uh, children who may have uh, specific uh, diagnoses or uh, illnesses. And so Catherine brought up the idea that uh, children with sickle cell were not covered, uh, were not eligible to receive uh, benefits or services from first steps uh, because of, I'm not sure what their definition was at the time, but that for that, um, that group did not qualify for that. And the second one was with the um, Department of Secondary Education, Elementary and Secondary Education, um, there usually are collaborative teams in terms of regarding services. And so uh, up until last, this past summer, everybody on the team would be paid at the same rate. So everyone's getting paid uh, like 85 per session working with uh, the child. However, um, recent amendments made physical therapists able to be able to be paid $100 a session um, without any consultation or conversations between other uh, members of the team. And when I say team, I mean physical therapists, occupational therapists, uh, special instructors, speech language pathologists as well. And so with this information, Catherine did a really great job of uh, getting one pagers together for those that were uh, coming on the trip so they could study and be able to be able to be real educated on why these uh, things matter and why, why we are here to advocate and speak on uh, our profession's behalf as well as like for uh, the communities that we serve who are dealing with these things. And so for me as someone, even as someone that's involved in um, in advocacy through the through MODA, 
that was my first time being able to be physically present for one of these on-hand response sessions. So what really, um, it was really eye-opening to me how it all happened, but basically me and Catherine and some students, and then we also met with some other um, special instructors that are also from the St. Louis area. They made the trip to Jefferson City as well. And we were basically giving our responses to why um, we don't think, why we believe that children with sickle cell deserve to be qualified for services, why professionals deserve for equal pay, uh, deserve equal pay, and then just be able to invite conversation to be able to help kind of uh, make sure that decisions such as these aren't just made off of one-handed, off without consulting other professionals. Um, and so, unfortunately, we didn't have, like, we had representatives from that, um, from DESE, uh, Department, of Ed 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 Department of Elementary and Secondary Education there, but we didn't get a, a formal response until uh, earlier, earlier in July. And um, they really, uh, I don't think we got a response that um, matched the effort that we put in on that day, but at least bringing it back in January. Thank you, Catherine. Um, but we brought it back. It helped to bring those things to attention and it helped inform uh, Moda as things that we are going to continue to be advocating for and bringing things up during subsequent sessions, um, especially since Moda Hill Day and Advocacy Week is coming up uh, for the in the first week of March. Does, uh, does that cover everything, Catherine? I feel like I missed anything since you were there. <laughs> no, um, I'm. I think you just provided a really great summary. I just wanted to add on to that. Like, thank you for for recognizing a lot of the work that was that was done to put it, like, put that day together for advocacy. But I think, you know, one thing that I noted from what you were saying and from that experience is it really does take a village to for effective advocacy. And that was one thing I learned from that experience of going to you know the state capitol and how do how do we effectively advocate like we had that the like one pager letters that was with support from ot students and um and learners in the area that were able to pull together some of the evidence make it visually appealing easily readable and then like we had you from from washington university from the center for experiential learning as an advocate i think for ot education and that you know this is what the future of the profession is looking like. And then we also had uh, people partnering with us from the Missouri OT Association, yourself included, like so that there was really a network of people providing input and it wasn't, you know, a single voice is important too, but I think it can be even more impactful when you get all of those voices. Yeah. I just listening, it made me think about a few different things. You know, this I don't, I don't know if others have had this thought, but I can remember as a student thinking like, I don't know enough to be an effective mm -hmm. advocate um, or I'm not an expert. And like, you have to be an expert to be an effective advocate. And I guess I'm just, you know, thinking, um, A, sometimes it's perhaps better to have that variety of perspective, like you said, Catherine, and um, having this kind of diverse group of folks at the table to bring those different components. Like, you know, it's, maybe never too early is not the right word, but like just because you're a student or just because you're in whatever capacity, right? Caregivers are excellent advocates beyond their kind of family center school, like at a state level, caregivers are excellent advocates. So there's this kind of, like anybody can be an advocate, I guess is the point. I mean, uh, even you saying that at this particular event, there was a dad or a, a husband 
of one of the special instructors there that spoke on behalf of his wife, even like thinking about it, it was so powerful. Yeah. Like the way that he spoke about her investment in the community and her investment for these patients and um, individuals seeking supportive services um, was maybe one of the most powerful things that was shared that night. So it was a caregiver of a provider? No, no it was, I just, sorry. sorry. It was a spouse of a provider. Yeah. I, I messed that up. I, I heard you. Yeah. So that's actually, that's really cool. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that also touches on like the impact of providers and and kind of these allied health fields and, and probably beyond, obviously, right? But on the lives of their family, like it's like the broader impact of the work, right? To have a, a spouse advocating on behalf of his wife. That's cool. Yeah. One thing that was unique for me that um, I took for granted especially because I'm from the St. Louis area, was the fact that some of our students were um, from the West Coast, but were coming here. And so, or had, are, are here as students. And so it was, I thought it was a great experience for them to be able to be able to practice this capacity to, uh, to use their, to, adv- to practice their advocacy, advocacy skills in this environment so that if they decide to go back home, they can be able to take those things with them. But even for those that were, uh, coming here as students, I know a couple of them mentioned that they were strongly considering staying because they grew to love the area, but because, and wanted to work in pediatrics, but hearing this, had they mentioned that it changed their outlook on like what their job was like in terms of retention and staying. And so that also impacts our profession, especially thinking from um, a local, even from a statewide perspective. So if we don't keep ourselves abreast of these policy changes or these things that are getting pushed. And then we are trying to connect, well, why aren't we keeping talent? Why aren't we uh, retaining talent? Why aren't we keeping students involved or keeping uh, graduates in the area? It's easy, we can point to some of these things as well. So it, like you're saying, it, it provides a bigger picture, but that student lens, especially someone that's out of state um, was something I thought that was really, um, really insightful. Sorry, Kelly. I was just going to say, I think I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that advocacy is a huge part of our role as occupational therapists, as educators, as people involved in a a professional field that is intended to support and serve our communities. So I'm just wondering, like, what, what are those different levels of advocacy that you think of? You're involved in so many different roles. What like beyond just this one event, what does advocacy look like in your life? Um, that's a good question because it's it's changed a lot. And I think there were times where I just wasn't aware that I was being an advocate. So I guess to give a, to give a bit of background on myself, like when I grew up, like we always had like Malcolm X books. We always had uh, Martin Luther King and like definitely like I was in like Black Panther and like Marcus Garvey's uh, stuff growing up a lot. So for me, growing up and seeing these um, strong, impassioned, um, like black people speaking up uh, and like saying things are not okay was a bit of normalcy for me. You're, like that was kind of like the image that was like big growing up. So I was always okay with saying, being able to vocalize when I thought things weren't okay. But I think as I got older and I moved to more um, predominantly wider spaces, it was much easier to focus on like trying to like fit in, like stay quiet, I kind of do my thing, right? But then um, 
it like this advocacy bit kind of sparked for me in OT um, because I, I started to understand what what the what the role is and like you're saying we are advocates um not just for our for our clients and and thinking bigger for like our communities right so that's how we enable participation activity and all those things but uh especially so when i was learning about what ot was like those were the opponents that hit for me most than just the settings right and then i think when i got to school and ot school i tried to like uh sneak in and then uh, like just kind of stay low key and just do what I wanted to do. But then I think I was really struggling. Um, I was definitely struggling with um, adjusting to like the environment. So like we learned about person environment, occupation uh, theory, POP theory, right? And so it's like, these things were bothering me, but I was like, how can I not, like, I can't just keep, staying like quiet and just like trying to get through it and then as I was talking to other my classmates too there were some parts where it's like so many people have like gotten through it but that doesn't mean like things are okay right and so I just started to be able to so I started to like ask questions and so even before like we got to like the student advocacy stuff even like my time of student I was like I would always like ask questions then they were oftentimes questions that other students had but they didn't feel comfortable vocalizing them, right? Or like even saying like, even like questioning, like why are we learning this when like we're learning about problems, like bigger problems here? Um, and so it's like, oh, thanks for asking that because like I had the same kind of question. And so like that kind of helped give me confidence to be able to like, all right, I can kind of do this here, like I in this space. And so, um, and then I think the big thing turning point was like my second year and I was like really having a tough time in OT school. And then one of the students that we had was like really helpful and like um, getting me through the, like helping me, like having me a support system for me. And then for her name was Taven Lewis and she passed on New Year's of 2020. And then that really shook me up. And I was like, I have to, cause I know she didn't have a great time during her time in the program either, but she was still like shining and doing her thing. And so I was like, all right, if I can't speak, and I mean, for, for her to not be present for me to speak like that really, was set off like lit the fire for me to like be more active and be more an agent for change so that um because it bothered me that we had people that are going through this hard work to try and get through these programs to get to get to these degrees so they can be a professional but then be so close to getting it but then not being able to like enjoy the reward of like making it through to get through get your boy get your license and be able to do the work that you study so hard to do and so um since then, I was like being more active and vocal about like why I think like why we can be more inclusive for um, for students, why how we can like improve diversity and inclusion, especially in like a space of academia, especially in OT. Um, and then that kind of like kept got the ball and conversations rolling. And then um, during the summer of that year, uh, the George Floyd. Um, we had like, several um, high profile incidents happen. And so then we I started to kind of rally some other uh, students in our program. Um, and then we started to make a, a letter in response to some of the um, activities that were going on to address or co bring conversations to these things. And that kind of kicked off um, some positive things where we were making, uh, having leadership conversations about what can be done, what kind of, um, current commitments have been in and how can we improve these things. 
And it was, um, it was very, uh, especially during the pandemic too, there was a, a highly charged time. And so for me, I learned, especially with Catherine's help, um, the uh, how to navigate academic spaces and understanding how leadership, how leadership like organizational theory works. And I think as someone, as a student, that was something that was difficult for me to grasp because I didn't have a good entire picture of like how things were at the time. And so, um, so I think that was a big, that was a big component for me. And I knew during that time, I wasn't just doing it for students. I enlisted alumni, previous employees as well of the previous black employees about their experiences. And they were rallying behind me too. Like they thought this is like, you're doing the right thing. Even when I was getting initial brush record resistance, um, when I did bring it to light. Um, but then we had uh, buy-in from educators, um, from researchers too. And so I think a lot of positive headway has come at WashU's OT program since. Um, and then I think because those examples helped see me as myself as like a leader, be able to kind of help elevate other people's voices too. Um, it, I guess it felt to, natural to try and take that uh, with the Missouri Black OT Caucus uh, as well, because I understand how helpful that was for me as a student and even someone that was an aspiring professional. And then, and so now in my role, my my primary goal is to like connect people and then see what things they want to bring to the table and then try and uplift those so we can make uh, make good trouble as one of my mentors, uh, Dewan Russell Thomas says, always, always trying to make good trouble. So I know that was a lot. And I think that, that was, was a lot. I'm sorry. Hey, I feel like I'm rambling. But um that with that experience, that was like I'm happy like I enjoyed the process of being an advocate from that student level in with the caucus that I was like, well, let me try my hand at the Missouri OT Association. Cause they recently that the person who was the previous person in my position as director of practice actually reached out to us, to me as president, to see how we can collaborate for for Hill Day Advocacy Week. And that's how kind of that relation started. So same thing, like I spoke when they she reached out. And so now I'm trying to elevate other members of our caucus and other students so they can be able to have a platform to kind of share themselves. So you just shared so much, Mario. <laughs> um, I see Kelly smiling, too. Um, I, I pulled out a couple of things that I'm just wondering if we can come up with some takeaways for people that are listening. Like one of the things you said um was like about organizational structure and learning a little bit about kind of what's going on and so how like how to be an effective advocate and then another thing was mentors so i'm just wondering if we can focus in on those two things a little bit like how do you be an effective advocate and who do you get to help you so the biggest thing i feel like to be an effective advocate is to understand your audience the audience that you're trying to reach and so sometimes that can look very differently from the people that may be most affected, right? And so the so I think being able to identify who you're trying to communicate with and then being able to find the language that captures the essence of what you want to say, of what you're trying to say and convey, but making it in a way that is um, acceptable to another person's ears, uh, to the person, the target that you're reaching, right? So, for example, like this was a learn. I was a learning moment for me, where I had I was speaking with passion, I was speaking with conviction, and had like I brought receipts right to the table. But because I was speaking so fervently, it was off putting at first because that was a lot. I wasn't matching energy. So we learned about that as an OT. Like we need to be able to match the energy of our audience to ex 
to an extent so that way we can better connect. And so what I had to learn was be able to turn down the volume and like get a little, a remove a little bit of the static, but also being clear. So because our, everybody has different speaking styles and people kind of hear or respond different to things differently. So what I have been had to learn throughout that process was being able to um, make my case, but then explain why, you know what I mean? So it's all about just in being able to translate that why to different means. So for one example, like, especially in talking with leadership or positions of positions of high up, higher up positions, there we go. Sometimes the emotional or even like the ration, the comp, the, the moral pull isn't necessarily there, right? So sometimes for some people in higher positions, it may be just like a dollar and cents thing to them, right? So how can I convey like why this matters and like why we would benefit from it in a dollar and cents capacity to make sure like this is why, because it actually saves you this much or actually can generate you this much more. Um, so that was something that was, that was a big thing, like making sure I learned my audience and then just be able to like speak clearly. And then as for mentorship, it's honestly um, having people that were familiar with uh, the academic side of things was helpful. So Captain was really clutch for that. And then some speaking with some of my educators too throughout the process, because they were giving, they could have, they gave me insights on things that were happening from an educator position that I wasn't aware of. So some of those things that they made, this group, this smaller group in the educators division were already kind of pushing for. And so being able to meet with them and then be able to combine our strengths in order to kind of break through on uh, some of those conversations, I think that was um, really helpful. And it was nice to be able to have a party if we as students were not able to convey what we needed, having someone to kind of help complete our message and to make it more strateg to strategize it towards that uh, selected audience. And I know I'm using very much like a student leadership kind of example because that's just like the most um, hands-on. That's the one that, that sticks out the most for me because that was like my first real step into it. It's like such a good example though because everybody can be an advocate but like what I just heard you saying and correct me if it, I'm like mischaracterizing it all, but like really like it sounds like you did your homework. Um, you learned, you know, what are other people doing around me? How can we align with other people? Sorry for these beeps. Um, how can we align with things that are already going on? How can we connect with other people that can help make sure our voices are heard? Mm -hmm. You know, things like that. Yeah. Like should stop talking now no no that's a big thing is just being able to uh like i guess like for me i think thinking about what's going on how can we evolve and even like who uh thinking about who i can connect with to kind of help elevate even if it was like from other students right so one of the things that i appreciated was it wasn't we even though our group was like black we're like a collective of black students we had talks with lgbtq students Agency, we other uh, even our even like white students even like um and we we consulted the whole population as we were trying to get things done like we had a coalition meeting when we were trying to like when we had a, we did, met at an impasse at one point and just making sure that even when we were talking about making our list of demands or things that we were asking for 
we wanted to make sure that like a rising with the idea, like a rising tide lifts all boats, right? So we weren't just advocating for one group of people to get one thing more than everybody, but we were looking at it as like, how can we make this place more inclusive? How can we, how can everyone in our community benefit from these things? And I think that also helped make um, our messaging more receptive and then helped with our uh, support, so. I think you just uh, put on a little bit of a communications course. So I'm going to try to highlight the like five things, six maybe, I don't know, that I took out of that. And you tell me if I'm right. But I mean, I heard you say like, understand the audience, right? Really know who you're talking to, understand the audience. And then I kind of also heard you say like, understand the message, right? So understand the audience, find that language that the audience will actually hear, that that particular target aud targeted audience or that specific audience that your message is for will hear. And then what I really liked, you said, you know, kind of turned down the volume and th the way I put it was like clarifying the signal, right? I'm thinking like my research brain turned on, but like really focusing in on what, you know, what is that key point? Um, soliciting feedback, I think is huge, right? Feedback and then like also thinking broadly about being inclusive and thinking about that broader impact. So that was, those were my like takeaways. I was taking some notes over here. Did I, did I capture? Yeah. Um, and what thing that was helpful is because we did it as a collective, like even because we were black students, so we all had different le varying levels of experience during our time in the program. Even as professionals in the caucus, we all have different work in different work environments, different things like that. So we have to, we're not a monolith, you know what I mean? So, and so maybe, and one thing that was helpful for me was having someone to be like, hey, like I want to respond this way. What do you think? And then they're like, hey, I, they're like, hey, I need you to tone this down a little bit. And then, so then we can come back to the table. Um, to do it. So like, it was great for me as someone that um, does have a penchant for speaking passionately um, about things, right? Um, sometimes I don't, I can't let my passage dilute the point, the purpose or uh, the conversation. And so that was something I was grateful to have that kind of feedback even within my own group um, to help keep me honest. And so I'm always, uh, even with caucus events or caucus um, advancements with them, but I'm always like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Uh, I would, I kind of think we should attack it this way. Do you see a different route, a way to make it better? Because I don't, um, I think about this like in Drumline, the movie, the Nick Cannon movie. So like, you know how he like, when he gets in a mood, uh, like gets in a mood and like he's battling somebody, he just like takes off. And like the rest of the band doesn't know what's going on. And they kind of follow him just because they, they want to have his back, right? Don't want you don't want that to happen, especially like in these real conversations, because there are stakes involved. There are opportunities for genuine change to happen. So that's why, like, when you do have a team or you are having a coalition, it's important to be able to include or like solicit that kind of feedback so that we're all one band, one sound. So I like that one band, one sound. I heard kind of like limiting distractions or things that can serve as distractions, right, in the process. Something you said earlier I hadn't mentioned was, um, you know, kind of that we, Catherine asked about mentors, right? But the sponsor piece, like mm -hmm. you can elevate this message beyond my scope. Um, I think it's critical. So, yeah. Um, what I learned um, was sometimes the people with the most power and influence to change things are oftentimes the most removed from where the acute issues are happening. And so being able to, especially when you think about large organizations, um, like a CEO may, like I'm thinking about like a, 
as well, CEO may not always be able to tune in on what's happening at the fifth floor at every hour of the of the day, right? So that's why like having those people that, all right, this is important. Let's bring this to uh, to team, and then that way they can bring it up to the higher higher ups, and then fill them in while still maintaining that um, that sense of urgency that you're trying to convey, but still making sure they understand so that they can make um, the best decision met the best informed decision that they can so i saw a quote on twitter uh just the other day that's essentially like what you said i guess in the reverse that you know the folks on the ground are often closest to the problem but furthest removed from the power and influence to change it right and so like advocacy being that bridge um in a sense and thinking about how we you know um kind of use use advocacy to 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 bring those things closer together right because it really does still need to be coming from the ground up um and in many ways but but we need we need to be we need people to be closer to those power change levers right and influence to do it um yeah that's excellent you want to jump in Catherine? you like you have something to say Uh, i just i guess i like feel overwhelmed actually with content oh, and like man. with ideas um no i i mean that in like the best way mario like i was listening to what you were saying and i was like oh no like i still get feedback that i'm i'm not a i don't know that i'm a great advocate i think i speak with too much conviction i i don't follow all the lessons that you just gave us and um <laughs> and so i have some self reflection and some homework to do for myself i think but um, maybe so like kind of related to that, what qualities do you think make a good advocate or how can we build ourselves to be better advocates? Uh, I think being curious is the first one. So it's one thing, I think what helped empower me to be able to be a better advocate was I was always curious, but then I also like in my gut, I was like, this don't feel right, but I didn't have the words to speak it. And like, ironically enough, being in OT school helped me learn the language to be like, oh, okay, now this doesn't feel right. And now I can, I see why, or like, I can kind of explain why, right? Because it's like thinking about that all then POP, like the environment kind of things are making things more difficult than they may have to be. So I think being curious and then being, having the courage to say something. So I like, and I think that was one of the things that was the hardest part for me to learn sometimes was like I had to because I had these big image big bold imagery of what advocacy rebellion and those kind of not say rebellion that sounds too aggressive but like to uh add change right were like these big uh significant events but then a lot of it was just like hey like I don't think this is okay like do you think this is okay and like all right well how can we bring about change or like even like having these kind of conversations and so those kind of conversations can help even bring up more questions to kind of be like, all right, so we're seeing, maybe seeing some, some of the same things, maybe in different spots, but like, all right, so it's a bigger thing than just a micro concern or a micro uh, problem. So um, curiosity and then just the courage to speak. And then I think it's really important to be empathetic. And so um, I feel like that was something that I, that I felt like I had, but it was important to be able to, let utilize that in discourse, especially if someone who didn't agree. So 
is like, because I can speak as passionately as I want to, or like, feel like I'm as right as I feel that I am, right? In some of these situations, if the other person, if I am not aware that the other person is not familiar with these experiences or sees the world through my same lens, it's important that I'm able to put myself in their shoes to be able to kind of have a better understanding of how they may see the world, right? And then that will also help me find that, like threatening me with finding that necessary language to be able to reach them. Right. So I call it, I learned it in undergrad, this idea of like playful world traveling. So it's always the idea of like being able to put myself in another person's shoes um, into the best capacity that I can so that I can better understand, understand them. And so, and then being able to be someone else from the area who did, who wasn't really world traveled and then being surrounded by hundreds of students that were not from St. Louis and from all parts of the a country in the globe it was exciting so i was like all right cool so i like all right what's california like and like what's part of texas like um so that's kind of what was big for me was just being a key like that's like those big things those big three that little microphone emoji was supposed to be like a mic drop I oh felt like okay i was were... like oh no i thought, I, thought I, was like, I need to wrap it up um one more, <laughs> no. I have no all right one more no, thing that was me saying this is like <laughs> really good <laughs> All right. One last thing is um, understanding like uh, compromise, like on the real, because you may not get what you want when you're being an advocate off rip, like immediately. I should say, oh, yeah, because you are, especially when you're thinking about it from a level like you are just like you're one part of the of community. You're fighting. You're not fighting. You're uh, trying to make change through a bigger organization a statewide thing, a community thing, even a nationwide uh, aspect, right? And so there's so many chains or levels that you have to kind of go through. But if you can be able to get in the conversation, ask these questions, and at least uh, plant the seed, a lot is really easier um, to be able to, maybe you may not win the advocacy component, but now you've put those people that are in positions of power to think or to be considerate in future, uh, future moments. And so- Sometimes, like, um, when I say compromise, like, advocacy is not always a zero-sum game, right? There's no hard winner or loser um, in most cases. But the biggest, so the biggest thing is, like, that's why it's important to try and reach that, um, reach some sort of middle ground to be able to maintain a relationship so that change can continue to happen rather than just, like, all right, well, I didn't get what I want or we didn't fight, we've lost the fight, we're just not going to fight for it more because sometimes it takes repeated instances it takes repeat efforts you know what i mean sometimes you may just catch the right person in leadership at the time to be able to enact change you know what i mean if uh so it's always like you might it's always depending on like the person who you may be trying to reach and especially when you're talking about these large organizational sessions of people in power it may depend on who's in charge or who has the big seat and that time to be able to reach through. So that's just something to keep in mind for uh, future advocates out there. Yeah, I was just gonna say, so Catherine put the heart emoji up and I, I was just gonna say, I love that, like this idea of, you know, compromise and really vision, right? Like big picture vision to understand, you know, the baby steps, I think, I don't know. Um, that's excellent. Um, I guess, uh, I, I'm just kind of trying to pull it all together and thinking about this. Um, I'm thinking about a few different things. You know, you started out um, 
kind of telling us about the Jeff City experience. But then I think in, when you were kind of sharing some of your personal story, you really were talking about kind of advocating for each other as students, right? As this kind of collective group and 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 beyond that group, right? And then I'm just thinking, I was thinking about like, you know, what does this mean for us as scientists and researchers? Um, and so I'm, I'm going to get to my question. I got to work my way there. Uh, I don't even know if it's really a question, right? Like, what does this mean to us for science and research? I feel like as researchers, we're kind of advocates, right? Like that's the work. And, you know, if we stop just kind of with the results without the dissemination and without the like, what does this mean for, you know, kind of the greater good, that, then we fail to do the advocacy bit. But yeah, I guess I'm just thinking about that, you know, adv advocating or advocacy kind of in our work and beyond, but then also, you know, for each other, um, you know, the three of us sitting on this call all represent you know some form of underrepresented folks in academia right from um you know gender racial what have you and i think um we we did a um a uh, show on picture scientists and i was thinking about that as i was listening to and kind of some of the advocacy that happened there so i don't know i guess i'm just thinking yeah what does this mean for scientists and researchers and um what like not what should this look like, but yeah, what could it look like um, thinking about it in that context? Uh, I think like you're, well, the biggest thing you mentioned was important. Like you, researchers are the ones that do do that work to be able to ask important questions, but then also be able to go through the process of actually trying to seek an answer or if not an answer, unearth some factors that may be playing a part into these things, right? So sometimes we may not always get a clean two sentence thing of like this is exactly impacting x issue or y issue right but i think one of the things that it's like you said is just being able to take that information that you find through research or that you're looking for but then being able to find that language to impart that into the community so um so that way people can uh can actually like understand th that this is how this is impacting them, right? So, because uh, a lot of times uh, the community at large isn't going to have access to academic journals than the same way that we are as academics, right? And so I think sometimes being in academia, like the idea of being published is so lauded, but when we have to, when we think about the audiences of that, where that's going to reach, it's like a very siloed off, off uh, siloed audience in comparison to the rest of the world. Um, the general world, right? So I think being able to um, be able to find ways to disseminate that, disseminate the information to the community, and then also even just like being present at some of these um, at opportunities to speak. And so I know we had the event at the Capitol uh, back in January with Catherine. But even if you're thinking from a smaller level, like even if your neighborhood has um, council meetings or like city, I know city hall may have open meetings being able to bring these topics up for conversation and then coming with evidence. Because a lot of times I think we take for granted is that our the people that are in these leader, uh, positions of leadership are, are always informed of everything that's going on. So there may be factors that they may have no clue about. Like that's one of the things for Moda was one of the things for so long is like they prioritize like making sure everybody that was on Jeff City knew exactly what occupational therapy was and how we impact. Now the, the conversation shift is like, we know, we know what occupational therapy does. 
And so now they're like, all right, now you know what we do. This is what we think would be helpful. This is what helpful for our um, our profession now. So that's things that from like a, a OTA pers- from an OT perspective with Moda, but um, even it's like finding causes in your neighborhood if they're especially if they're putting up a building, if they're thinking about um, like what housing may look like. Um, these uh, small community things, even like voting access, voting opportunities, those kind of things, we have the we are informed. We have access to the literature, uh, access to the experts. Um, you know what I mean? That can actually like communicate these things to people and be like, this is this is something that we need to be concerned for because of X, Y, and Z. This is how, if if you could ad- amend it or adjust it, this is how maybe a good solution. And like I said, because ultimately those people have other people, have stakeholders as well that they have to answer to, they may not be able to make those adjustments. They may not be able to, um, you may not get all of what you want. But like I said, you're bringing those, you're making them think now. So you're making them have considerations for the next project that may come up. You may have considerations for, all right, so now if a new bill is going to be put onto the floor, it's like, all right, well, if it's a healthcare bill, how does OT actually impact this rather than just like, well, it's, this is a this is a nursing bill, for example. So we're just not going to worry about how other healthcare. So now because, but for example, with Moda, we've made ourselves known presently. So it's like, all right, so there's a bit more consideration. Like, all right, well, this is impacting uh, speech language pathologists. How does this does this impact OT or physical therapy as well? So those kind of things. Does that make sense? I just think there's so much work. I was like really appreciating some of the things that you brought up about how we disseminate the things that we find because an academic article isn't always the way and even how we connect with the community. So I was really thinking a lot about um, about that and the importance of when we're when we are conducting research or even developing the questions, who gets to ask those questions and how they get shared is kind of inherently a little unfair. So I think we should probably I don't know. I'm thinking about that a lot. How do we include everybody in the conversation from deciding what questions we ask to how we ask them and how we answer them and then how we share them too. Um, so that it's available to everybody. I think this was a really, really great conversation about advocacy and how everybody can be an advocate at every level. And, you know, you can, you can do that simply by speaking up like you said that earlier maria like sometimes advocacy is is a small thing like hey this thing isn't fair or it doesn't seem right but it could be really big stuff too like going to a state capital or a national capital to advocate for policy changes um do you have any final takeaways that you want to share with everybody uh, before we wrap up uh yeah i think the first thing is like i know we mentioned it earlier but you don't have to be an expert um but you don't have to be like an expert um, to be able to start advocating. Um, and in, in many cases, even your personal experiences, navigating things actually can make you an expert uh, in some of these cases. And so um, I feel like it's important to be able to trust yourself, trust your perspective in your experiences to help guide you through, because sometimes that will help. That will help inform those around you who may not be able to know what you may be experiencing. And then always just keep an open mind. Um, for those that are professionals, I would highly encourage, um, especially for like OTs or future OTs, strongly consider looking into um, your state OT associations because a lot or a professional or- organization if you're in another field, because a lot of those things, that's how uh, statewide governance kind of 
uh, gets our influence because the, your membership fees help pay for uh, lobbyists, for your lobbyists to kind of help push your profession's causes while you're on Capitol Hill. I know sometimes we get super busy being uh, worrying about our own nine to fives or our own careers and those kind of things. So it's nice to be able to have someone whose sole job is to be able to advocate on your behalf your per, or your profession's behalf. So I say um, stay involved that way with membership, but then also be able actually read the newsletters and things that may come out because um, sometimes I learned that from legislating, like the times that some of these events may happen or like in the middle of the day or at random times throughout the month that you may not be able to be aware of to be able to voice your opinion on unless you're staying kind of tapped in uh, with what may be going on. So I always like be involved in newsletters if you can, just be able to read so you know what's going on and catch updates. Um, and then the last thing, always just being able to um, don't be afraid to have difficult conversations, because I think that's the that's one of the hardest things that can happen. Um, it's too easy to kind of stay in our own bubble, our own respective bubbles while we're going through things. And so being able to be able to reach and extend outside that to be able to ask the important questions, to be able to help find, maybe find some common ground to find an answer. I think those are super helpful. Um it can, can be it can be very challenging, but also extremely rewarding um, because I know there are people for every time you think there's someone that may not care about what you're doing or may, uh, may not see results. I, there's many people that are quiet, that see the work that's going on and want to be down, but may not just know how. So that's why being able to bring light to these things, have these conversations can help bring people about, help bring people aboard. And so you have people, them to help you out too. There are something, a lot of people are just like trying to find their lane to be able to hop in, like kind of like double dutch. You know what I mean? No, everybody can't just jump in at once, right? You got to kind of find the rhythm. Find, and there's a lot of people that are like that, just waiting to hop in. And so as long as you, when you're advocating, doing that work, it's just like be open and be inclusive. And I feel like you go a lot further that way than just um, trying to go fast, try fast by yourself, so. Those are my last things and, and trying to have fun with it. Like I had a lot of fun doing it uh, throughout between like some of the bouts of stress and it's still fun now. Um, so I, I, that's, that's one of the big things that help keep me going professionally. And even just personally, I feel like I found my lane uh, as like an advocate. So, and it's like causing good trouble is fun for me. So I look forward to finding more windows to do it. So yeah, just keep it fun. I love so that. many good lessons. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It was a pleasure to have uh, to speak to you today, Mario, to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. I loved this conversation. Yeah, thank y'all. Thank you for joining us today. Check out our other episodes to hear more. You can find the first season on YouTube under Washington University Program and Occupational Therapies channel under the First Fridays for OT Research playlist. And more episodes of Demystifying Research linked under the Research tab on the Washington University OT webpage at ot.wustl.edu. That's ot.wustl.edu. Send us your ideas for future episodes at...